Welcome to Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias at work through conversation. I'm Annie Rogaski, and this episode is about speaking up. Speaking up when you see something happen around you that is not right or that hurts someone. But this also can be applied to speaking up if something happens to you. Here's why I have hope this week about the increase in people speaking up about harassment of women. There was a story earlier this year about a cab driver named Kurosh Hamat in Halifax who asked a man who was in his cab to get out of his cab because the man was verbally harassing a woman on the street. I think this is pretty amazing. Not only did Mr. Hamat actually speak up but he put his own pocketbook on the line. He could have just pretended not to hear. He could have driven on. But he took not only the action of speaking up, but pulling over to the curb, stopping the cab, and asking the man to get out, which is an amazing statement of how inappropriate he thought that verbal abuse was. We need more men like Mr. Hamant to speak up, to put a stop to harassment that women experience from men. So that gives me hope that someone would go out of his way to not only speak up, but to put a stop to the harassment and even put his own livelihood at risk. So let's dive into the topic of speaking up. When I read the story about Mr. Hamant, I thought this is fantastic. Why don't we see more of this happening? And in between that time, which was May 2018, and when I'm recording this, a lot has happened. And it feels like we have these surges forward in terms of women telling their stories and people becoming more aware of what's going on around them with the backlash of men feeling like victims and not only not speaking up, but almost going the opposite direction. And so I wanted to explore a little bit around why someone may or may not speak up. And that person may be male, that person may be female, when gender bias or harassment occurs in our presence. There are a number of issues that I think impact this. The first issue is, do you even know that something that might be perceived as bias or harassment occurred? And here I think there's a huge knowledge gap among the average woman and the average man. I say average because there are plenty of men who are quite well-versed in the gender issues that women encounter. But I think that there generally is an experiential knowledge that women have about the bias and harassment that they have personally experienced or witnessed. And for men, I think it's it's less experiential, less personal, and more something that they either start becoming aware of or read about or learn. But in any event, unless you know what gender bias or harassment looks like, it's hard to be aware of it and hard to speak up when it happens. The second aspect is even if you know that gender bias or harassment is occurring, 
if you're in a group, it requires that you read the room and figure out an appropriate response. That response may be affected by who's in the room, the power dynamics of the people in the room, what's accepted in the culture of that particular workplace, if it's a workplace, and your own comfort level with speaking up. But hopefully, after reading the room and understanding that something just happened, you feel confident enough to act or speak. Those actions can be different. And I don't think that there's any one right way to approach a situation where you're in a group and something involving gender bias or harassment occurs. But there are a number of different ways that it can be approached. One of the things that surprised me was that when other people are present, it's more likely that someone will not speak out against gender bias and harassment. And this surprised me a bit. I dug into this and learned a little bit more about the bystander effect, also known as bystander apathy, which is a social psychological phenomenon in which individuals are less likely to offer help to a victim when other people are present. And it turns out that the greater the number of bystanders, the less likely it is that any one of them will help. They're all going to assume someone else will do that help, and, and at the end of the day, no one does. So the bystander effect is certainly one issue that can come up. Another issue is that someone may not feel comfortable or safe speaking up at the time. Maybe they fear backlash uh, in their own professional development or career. And so there are other ways of dealing with it rather than speaking up in the meeting if it doesn't feel safe to you. Maybe you take someone aside after the meeting. Maybe you use a little humor um, still being authentic, but um, using humor to diffuse a little bit while still explaining or showing that the conduct was not acceptable. It is becoming more and more important that men speak up as well as women. And there's a number of reasons for this. I wanted to highlight a couple. There was an article by Clementine Ford who said, Nothing maintains women's silence like the fear of making a scene. And she references the recent incident in which Ariana Grande was basically groped by a pastor at the funeral of Aretha Franklin. And Ms. Ford says, It isn't difficult to imagine what she must have been feeling as she felt that hand on her breast in front of millions of people. Disbelief, disgust, humiliation, and fear. For those of us who live in the world as women, these are the emotions that work so well to keep us silent. She delves a little bit deeper into this question of why are, why are women silent about things that happen to us? And she explains, women learn to absorb a broad range of humiliations in order to prevent men from feeling exposed or foolish. And this example is no different. We go through that mix of emotions disbelief, disgust, humiliation, and fear, and choke it down because causing embarrassment to a man by reacting against it is something we're taught to feel is the worst of all things. Wow, the worst of all things is making a man feel embarrassed. This sentence jumped out at me initially as, you've got to be kidding me, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like we would take our own pain over the potential embarrassment of a man if we are the victim of 
harassment or, or discrimination. And then I realized she's right. We do, as a gender, tend to try to protect the emotional well-being of the men around us. We impose our own self-suffering to avoid negatively impacting men. But that's not the only reason that we're silent. We also try to avoid various negative impacts to ourselves. Zoe Chance wrote in Here's Why We Don't Speak Up Against Harassment last year that there are certain risks to women from speaking up. She notes we don't want to be defined by it. The costs outweigh the benefits. We lack allies. There's the first mover disadvantage. It's harder, harder to be the first one to speak up. There's also the risks that you won't believe us, you'll blame us, and we'll be shamed by it. These are all very real risks that are going on under the surface for women and why a lot of women are, are silent. That's changing a bit this year. I think there's a lot more willingness to speak out and to share stories and to educate the rest of our communities about what we're experiencing, which is great. But if we want to see more progress, it's also important that men speak up. Now, when I was first preparing this episode, my intention was to point out that there are fewer risks to men of speaking up than to women. But I tried to do some research before I actually put these podcast episodes out. And as sometimes occurs when I do that research, I find that there's another side of the story that I did not appreciate or was not aware of. And that was the case here. So I learned that it is not risk-free for men to speak up. There are different risks for men to speak up. One article was written actually by a female, but I thought it was really interesting and brought attention to an issue that I'm becoming more and more aware of, which is the man box. This article was written by Lisa Hickey entitled, Men Know Why Men Need to Start Talking About Violence and Sexual Harassment. This was posted on the Better Man Project website, which I encourage you to check out. It's a really great website and program that is trying to address a lot of the issues that I've talked about on this podcast. And this was back in May of this year of 2018. And um, Ms. Hickey talks a little bit about the challenges of speaking up and why men don't speak up. And one thing that she says that I think is important is she says, quote, it is the man box code of silence, which says to everyone else, don't tell. And whatever you do, don't allow women to know what is going on. And that is also a problem. So it's this, this male peer pressure of not speaking up because, not because of the impact that it will have on women or, or from women, but the impact it will have on men or from men. That there's this whole, I don't, I don't even know how, how to describe it, like this, this whole world um, below the surface that women are not aware of, that women do not participate in, that has its own rules, and men have to navigate that as well as, for example, being allies to women. This article that Lisa Hickey writes, though, also shares uh, some of the 
risks of when men don't speak up, and those tend to be societal risks that really we're going through right now with the Me Too movement and the experiences that women have been having that they are now sharing. I think this concept that Ms. Hickey raises about the, the man box is also reflected in a really interesting article by David Smith back in 2017. And this is an article about secret male allies that appeared in the Harvard Business Review. Dr. Smith notes, too often men find themselves in a situation where a male colleague makes a sexist comment or joke in a group of men and women. They feel awkward discomfort, fully grasping the inappropriateness of his remarks. In this context, men too often look to see how a female colleague reacts, as if requiring confirmation that she was offended before bothering or daring to say something. Real male allies act at this point, yet being in groups often inhibits action. So this, Dr. Smith is noting here that 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 men are aware of the problem. And I think this goes back not only to Ms. Hickey's pointing out of the man box situation, but also the bystander effect. If men are in the room and someone else could act, why do they need to? So I think this is a real problem. And I was really encouraged to find an article that I think offers a solution that is worth trying This is a January 2018 Harvard Business Review article by Michael Kimmel entitled Getting Men to Speak Up. And he offers a scenario that I'm going to share here, which I had not thought of before, and it seems to solve a number of the problems that I've just identified of a man speaking up in a group setting in the face of sexual harassment or sexist comments. So he proposes this scenario. Adeline is sitting in a meeting. She is the only woman in the room. Rob is in the meeting too, and he makes a sexist comment. The room goes silent. Everyone's attention is on Adeline. Is she going to do something? Say something? Oh God, here she goes, many of the other men are saying to themselves. Big eye roll. She's going to call him out and make everyone feel bad. And Adeline has to decide if she's going to say something and make everyone miserable or swallow it and stay miserable herself. After the meeting, one of Adeline's colleagues, Fabrice, privately apologizes to her for Rob. I'm really sorry about what he said in there, Fabrice says. I didn't like that at all. Fabrice thinks he's being supportive, but he's actually introducing another dilemma for Adeline. Does she nod politely and thank him? Or does she say, uh, where were you when I needed you? So this article asks, men, what could you do differently? The obvious answer is that you could speak up right then in the meeting and say you aren't comfortable with those kinds of statements. But typically we don't do that. Why not? We're afraid that if we do, we'll be marginalized, kicked out of the men's club, that we'll become, in effect, honorary women. Men know that doing the right thing sometimes carries costs, and most of us are worried about jeopardizing what we have. So we betray the women in the room, abandon our ethics, and slink away uncomfortably. But think about that moment when Rob made his comment. I'm sure there were guys in the meeting who were looking down at their shoes, 
laughing uncomfortably or shuffling the papers on the table. They didn't like it either, but they were too frightened to act. Men, this is your chance. After the meeting, don't apologize to Adeline. Talk to one of the other guys who looked uneasy. Listen, Mateo, I hate it when Rob says things like that. So do I, says Mateo. This is your opening. The next time he does that, I'm going to say something. But as soon as I do, you have to jump right in and say that you don't like it either. Can I count on you? So this is the scenario that he proposes, and I think it's fantastic because what he's suggesting is that there's power in numbers, that we can overcome that bystander effect by working together as two or more, whether it's two men, two women, a man and a woman, whatever. But if you know someone's got your back, then it's easier to speak up. And there are plenty of men who support gender equality and are strong allies to women in private, but are less comfortable speaking up in public. So this is a fantastic tool that you could use to have an ally that you know will have your back when you speak up. I think it's also important to acknowledge, and, and, I, and kudos to Mr. Kimmel for appreciating the female perspective on this, but when you think about Adeline's perspective in the story, um, she has a couple times where she has to make a decision. She has to decide if she's going to speak up during the meeting. She's the only woman in the room. I have been in that situation so many times. And you really don't want to be constantly bringing women's issues to the forefront when you're the only woman there. You want to eventually have men speak up instead. It's exhausting. It calls attention to the fact that you're the only woman in the room. It calls attention to the fact that we still have this power disparity among genders in the workplace. It's just a terrible situation to be sitting in. And so I'm glad he calls attention to that. But he also calls attention to the fact that after the meeting, Fabrice comes up to Adeline and apologizes for what happened. And I think this is challenging too, because again, it puts the pressure on Adeline, on the woman to figure out, okay, do I... Do I let Fabrice off the hook? Do I, do I appreciate that he at least recognized that there was a problem, even though he didn't say anything, and that he's coming to talk with me, but I'm not the one who can solve this problem? And so that puts some of that emotional labor on the women who generally have it anyway when it comes to uh, sexual harassment or discrimination, and that's unfair. So I like that Mr. Kimmel acknowledges that additional burden on Adeline and suggests a way to take that off of her. Now, lately, I've also been thinking about another reason why men might not speak up. And I haven't seen this in my research. Um, I did run it by a male friend, and he confirmed that, yes, it probably is a reason that men don't speak up. And this is that in this me too environment where there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of frustration and and there's backlash as well but what i think a lot of men are doing is taking a look back on their own lives and there may have been times when they did something to a woman that was inappropriate or unwelcome or maybe they don't remember. Maybe they drank a lot and they did something and they don't even know that they did it. But there's that that potential. They know that there are times when maybe they did something 
that at the time didn't seem inappropriate, or maybe it did, but they've forgotten about it or they've suppressed it or it's in the past. And I imagine that if there is a situation where a sexist a sexist comment is made in a mixed gender group by a man, that other men might feel somewhat hypocritical for speaking up forcefully against that if they feel like, oh, I might have something in my own past. Like, my slate isn't clean. Who am I to call someone else out? Now, I don't know if this is actually going through men's head, but I could imagine that scenario playing out. I'd love to hear from our male listeners if that is something that they think is happening. I don't know quite how to deal with that if that is happening, except to say that everybody is a complicated human being. Everyone's made mistakes in the past, and perpetuating those mistakes by not speaking up is not going to be helpful. So I hope you do choose to speak up. To close out this section, I wanted to share a song. So this song uh, is from the 80s. I think it's from 1988. And I hadn't heard it in a while. And it came on um, as I was just listening to random songs on the way home the other day. And it struck me that this song is so relevant to our current time. And the song is by Fugazi. The title of the song is Suggestion. And I'll play some excerpts of it, but I also want to share some excerpts of a blog post written by Amanda Hess in 2010 for the Washington City paper. Here's what Amanda Hess shared about why she loves this song. She says, It clearly articulates the connection between all the flavors of harassment inflicted against women. Watching me suffer from street harassment to objectification through the male gaze to physical sexual assault. In the song, all contribute to a social structure that devalues women. By song's end, we sit back like it's taught us. We keep quiet like it's taught us. He just wants, he wants to prove it. She does nothing to remove it. We don't want anyone to mind us. We play the roles that they designed us. She does nothing to conceal it. He touches her cause he wants to feel it. We blame her for being there. We are all here. We are all here. It's clear that the harm done here has gone far beyond the realm of suggestion. The song is clearly anti-rape, but it's also a stinging condemnation of all the bystanders who don't speak up when women are assaulted. Quote, We sit back like they taught us. We keep quiet like they taught us. We don't want anyone to mind us, so we play the roles that they assigned us. We are all guilty. Unquote. The song leaves a lasting suggestion for men who are born into this society. Want to avoid being lumped in with the men who harass women? Speak up against sexual harassment and assault, and no one will mistake you for an offender. I couldn't have said it better. Thanks, Amanda Hess, for putting this out there. It's a pretty amazing song. I would encourage you to sit down and listen to it and think about what is being expressed. 
For this week's challenge, I have just one challenge. And it's primarily for men, although I, I would encourage women to think about this as well. And that is find a buddy who will back you up if you call out sexist comments in a group. Find someone who's typically in meetings with you at work. Find someone who is part of your circle of friends. Find someone, and it can be multiple people, but maybe just start out with one and see how it goes. Make a pact with him that you will speak up when you hear something, if he backs you up, and that you'll do the same for him. I think by doing this, we avoid a lot of the challenges that we've seen to men speaking up about gender discrimination, harassment, bias, and we really need men's voices in this fight. Thank you as always for listening. I hope that you take on this week's challenge. It's an important one and I think it can really move us forward. Let me know if you have any suggestions for how to avoid the bystander effect or particular issues that men are experiencing and why they're not speaking up. I'd love to share some other perspectives in future episodes. You can email me at unravelingpink at gmail.com or message me on Twitter at unravelingpink. If you enjoy Unraveling Pink, please share this podcast with one or more friends. I would love to expand the conversation to a broader mix of people because together we can start a conversation.